So my name is Matt and I've been coming to KCC for about 10 years and I, along with my wife Emily, who's right over in that corner over there, we lead one of the midweek community groups. There you go. <laughs> so we're continuing our series on songs of ascent, walking and singing on our way up to Jerusalem. And as the series has developed, I've been trying to imagine what it must have been like to join, like, literally thousands of people, all heading the same way and all with the same purpose, coming to worship God on one of the three temple feasts. I've been to a few football matches, but I don't imagine that begins to compare with all these thousands of people descending on one city. Um, So, anyway... Passover, way back in April. Shavuot was in May, so we kind of missed those. And Sukkot is in September, so we'll just have to imagine. It's a long way from some parts of Israel to get up to, um, up, up to Jerusalem. So we've taken some steps already, and today we're going to walk secure in God with Psalm 125. And the words should be appearing about now. There you are, well done. So... Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. But banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. So the mountain range that surrounds Jerusalem is known as the Judean mountains or Judean hills. Um, And I imagine that the Judeans would much prefer to call them mountains. Um, and Psalm 125 is referring to them as mountains, so I'm going to do the same thing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So this morning we're going to look at three of these mountains, how they relate to God and how they show us that we are secure in him. And these are significant mountains, big things happened on them. As the people of Israel walked towards their destination, all the way up to the temple, they'll have been told stories about them, as well as singing all these psalms of ascent. So the city that King David captured from the Jebusites, that's in 2 Samuel chapter 5, was built on the first one, Mount Zion. The Jebusites can be traced all the way back to a guy called Ham in Genesis chapter 10. You might remember him, He was the one who exposed his father, Noah, when he was drunk and naked. And you often find that these quite small incidents can cause trouble throughout Israel's history. Jebusites, for example, were often causing trouble for the Israelites and siding with their enemies. You can also read in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God describing their pagan practices as abominable. And we think a lot of these practices involved things like child sacrifice. And the first thing that David does after he's crowned king 
is to take their stronghold, Jebus, on Mount Zion. I think it was John Holt, when he came about a month ago and spoke about worship, that mentioned that David brought the Ark of the Covenant to Mount Zion before King Solomon built his temple. So the presence of God was there in this stronghold. The Lord is my delight and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? King David himself wrote this in Psalm 27. And then in Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a long tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So the message we get is we're safe and secure when we're in the presence of God. If you spent any time at all last weekend, and we've been hearing just now about some of the stuff that went on, you'd know that God is fiercely protective of his children. We are surrounded by his protection. And his protection runs through the Old Testament and into the, even into the future. But you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So the blood of Abel cried out to God, exposing Cain's guilt in murder. The blood of Jesus, killed by his fellow Jews, his brothers, speaks a better word, one of forgiveness and reconciliation. And because we are made righteous, we too can run into that same name of the Lord and be safe. So the second mountain, Mount Moriah, is close by. I was quite surprised by some of the stories that I read. This is where God sent Abraham to build an altar and to offer his firstborn son Isaac as a sacrifice in Genesis 22. And it's where God himself provided the sacrificial lamb. So God established himself here as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He promises to bless Abraham abundantly and to bless the whole world through Abraham's offspring. It's also the place that David built and sacrificed on an altar on the threshing floor of a guy called Ornan, the Jebusite. And how do I know that was Mount Moriah? Well, because Solomon built his very ornate temple on exactly the same spot. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father, at the place that David had appointed, on the threshing floor of On and the Jebusite. That's 2 Chronicles 3 verse 1. And in response, I'm sure you will know this passage, God makes a huge, although conditional, promise. If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Are you God's people? I know I am. I first met Jesus in my first year of university and I responded to his offer of salvation on the evening of Sunday the 20th of May. 1990, so it's a while ago. From then on, I have progressively become more secure, knowing that he's always with me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So for the believer, Mount Moriah is right here. I don't mean I'm Mount Moriah. <laughs> I mean it's, in, it's within you. If I present myself as a living sacrifice, I'm surrounded by Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides everything I need, and that includes forgiveness and healing, and of course there's security in all of that. If you watch the coronation of King Giles, you'll probably know that he was anointed with oil from the Mount of Olives, the third of our significant mountains. And this is where King David went to when his own son started a revolution against him. The distance from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives is a, a Sabbath day journey. And Luke helpfully points that out in Acts chapter 1. So that's a bit more than half a mile, maybe a kilometre. And that, to me, doesn't suggest that David is running away. So it says here in 2 Samuel 15, But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up, weeping as they went. David wasn't frightened of his son. He was in mourning because he knew he'd lost him. And Jesus also was in the habit of praying there. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. That's Luke chapter 22. And it was in this particular scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is at the foot of the Mount of Olives, that Jesus asked the Father to take the cup away from him. Nevertheless, he said, not my will, but yours. And Jesus also ascended into heaven from near Bethany on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And that promise was fulfilled in an upper room, that you think on Mount Zion, where Jesus sent them to be safe and secure and in God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's Acts chapter 2. So it's like we've come full circle. So, we are securing God because we're under God's protection in his presence because we have everything we need and because the Holy Spirit is always with us. But now that we're secure, what are we going to do with it? How do, we, how do we work that out practically? I've got some ideas on my last slide. Way. <laughs> um, so this picture is actually taken from a parenting program I teach at work called the Circle of Security. So it's about sending your kids out to explore their world. And when things get a bit freaky, they come back. And then that's when you have to kind of receive them and comfort them. And then you keep, and it just keeps going around, around and around a circle. I bring it up because of all the things I've been ever, ever been taught to teach this is the closest thing I have ever come across to how God parents. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Those hands, by the way, they're not praying hands. They are Father God's hands. So God, with the safest pair of hands in the universe, he sends us out to do his will. What's his will? Well, he sent out 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10, and he told them to heal the sick, or at least in a town that receives them, and tell everybody, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And there's other things that, he, he, that Jesus did that we are to follow. So if you remember, John sent some of his followers to ask Jesus if he was the one, or should they look for another. And Jesus said, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Yeah, but that was Jesus, wasn't it? We can't do that, can we? <coughs> well, in John 14, he said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and I've just told you those, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. So maybe that list of things, we can do them. And he said to his 11 disciples in Matthew 28, All authority and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There, by the way, is another reference to us being, sec us being secure in God. He is always with us. And then he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. So that's, that's the whole of God's law summed up in two sentences. It isn't always that straightforward, though. So we've just done this really exciting bit at the top. Sometimes, sometimes things don't quite work out as we expected. Because I know that I've prayed for people before for healing, and it hasn't happened. Some of you might know that we used to have two daughters. Our first daughter, Grace, was born with all kinds of medical issues. And we would regularly have to rush her into A&E because she was struggling with her breathing. She would end up in, a &E, in intensive care for probably a couple of weeks. Then there'd be a week on a ward, and then she would come home again. I don't, I, I don't remember exactly how many times that happened, but it's probably something like 10 or 15, rounding that little circle. Well, there's a lot of circles going on this morning. There was a small group of people I would send a message to and ask them to pray, and she would recover every time we'd get her back until that last time that she didn't come back and we had to say goodbye. Did we get discouraged? Yeah, we did. Did doubt begin to creep in? 
Yes, I'm going to say not fundamentally. We didn't doubt that God existed or anything like that. We did start to wonder where he was taking us, what he was doing in our lives. But in time, we found again that we can always come to the Father. And he will always welcome us and restore us. And then he sends us out again. So again, we go round and round a circle. So here I am, with my experience, telling you about being secure in God. So in the, in the middle of that circle, which isn't part of the parenting model, the discipletolic topics in this series, discipleship in an instant society, are in the middle of the circle. And there's a couple of question marks I've left up there, simply because we've got two bridges left and I haven't, we haven't got to them yet. Other discipleship behaviours are available, of course. I love John Mark Homer's work on this. He's got a, he's, he has a website called Practicing the Way, and there is an enormous amount of resource on there, covering lots of different spiritual disciplines. And I think some people here have read his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Perhaps Robin and Jane can begin to make their way back at this point. God is completely secure in himself. And he wants us to be secure in him. Last weekend, for those that were willing to be there, and we have got a, had a bit of flavour of it today, was God on display, working to deal with situations in people's lives, removing obstacles that get in the way of us walking with him, being like him, and doing what he does and what he wants us to do. So the top half of my circle sounds really exciting, but it's only possible hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. So you see, we're talking about being secure in God, not in the works that we do for God. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, either for the first time or again, We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're on the bottom of the circle. You're feeling discouraged or in doubt or things that just aren't working out. Again, we'd like to pray with you. Perhaps you're not even on the circle. Perhaps you're feeling... Sorry, I lost, got lost. Perhaps you're not even on the circle. You don't know the God that can save you, heal you, restore you and do amazing things with you. We'd love to talk to, with you about Jesus and to pray with you. So just as we sing again with the band, if you can relate to what we've talked about this morning and would like us to pray with you, just come forward, I'll move this. There's something about taking a step towards God and he will draw near to you. I'm going to hand back. <laughs>